0: Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I'm Will Anderson from the title of the podcast, and I'm going to be very quick today because I have an Australian comedy legend, Fiona O'Loughlin, on the show. Um, I love Fiona. I actually say that to her at the start, so you're going to hear it twice in uh, quick succession. But I'm uh, such a great fan of Fiona, um, the person, uh, the person who's been through a lot and uh, is uh, fighting her way out the other side. I am a massive fan of Fiona O'Loughlin, the comedian, as well. Anyway, I just love catching up with Fiona for this. Uh, I still have five shows left at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Uh, Will Informed has, has turned into one of those shows that uh, has taken me by surprise a little bit. Uh, I literally am only at the point uh, in the run where normally I would get to Melbourne and uh, I've, I've really been loving doing the show. It's been a bit different every night. Um, you know, it's much more a show that uh, captures the act of Creation, you know, more than recreation, um and recreation. Um definitely not recreation, but uh gee, it's been fun to do. Um I think I've done a bunch of really good shows. It started a bit slow, but I guess it was a brand new show and I was still working out what to do. Thank you to the audiences that came along. Um But gee, it's uh it's kind of found its stride and uh, there's five more shows to go. And when you hear this, uh Wednesday and Thursday are pretty much done. Wednesday night's the Osland show. Uh, which means that it is uh, signed. So if you're the sort of person who wants to come along and see it when it's signed, uh, that is Wednesday night. Yeah, Thursday night, uh, yeah, almost sold out. So if you want to come on Thursday night uh, when you're hearing this, I will get in uh, very quickly. Uh, if you're a Western Bulldogs fan, that's the night the Bulldogs come in. Um, not all the players, of course, but a whole bunch of people from the clubs and coaches and you know, the occasional player and stuff come in and see the show. Uh, one night per. Uh, per season that I do at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and it happens to be this Thursday night. Then, uh, yeah, the final three. Good Friday, Easter Saturday, Easter Sunday. That's the final three shows and uh, then that's it. So there are tickets available to those. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you're in Melbourne for Easter, uh, seven o'clock Friday and Saturday, six o'clock on Sunday. So Sunday's the final show, always a really fun one to come to uh, the final show. So Sunday at six, let's, uh, you know, uh finish it with a bang. Let's have a big sold out house on the final night. But um uh yeah, uh tickets available Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um but getting quick, you know, let's sell out the final week and have a, a really fantastic run to end what has been uh on stage at least uh one of my favourite comedy festivals. Off stage it's been uh, a pretty rough old time in my life. But on stage, those minutes from when A C D C plays at the start till uh, when the music plays at the end have been a great delight and thank you to all the people who've come out and seen the show so far. Um, if you came and saw it on the first couple of nights, come back and see it again on the final weekend and uh, see how much has changed. Um, thank you to the people who've come in late and provided me with so much entertainment uh, over the season. Uh, definitely been some of the great highlights of the show as well. But anyway, Fiona Raleigh and yesterday's on today's philosophy. Uh, I really hope you enjoy it and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I'm Will Anderson. From the title of the podcast, uh, today's guest is somebody that I I genuinely love. I have a, a great deal of affection for my guest today. Uh, she's somebody that I both admire um, as a performer, but also somebody that um, I've just always enjoyed the company of. I've always felt a great deal of you know love and fondness for, and um, you know I think we've already always just had a very easy and natural rapport in the times that we've got to spend time together. And I may find out during this today that she feels the complete opposite. But however, that's what I'm going to say. It's my podcast. It's called Philosophy. It doesn't have her name in the title, so I get to say whatever I want to say. Uh, this is how the podcast starts, though. I ask the guests who they are. So who are you?
1: I'm Fiona O'Loughlin.
0: Hello, Fiona How,
1: That was beautiful. That intro.
0: It's true. Do you I know that? proposed to me. Um, do you Do you know the love that I have for you? Is it like a, Have I made you aware of that previously, or is this like a... No,
1: very much so. Yeah. It's like that. This oh, some of us, most, many of us, graft each other in weird ways to our souls. Don't you think? Like comics that have known each other. You don't even have to know a comic that well to kind of give them a nod, anyway.
0: I agree with that because I mean it's not like we have spent you know a huge amount of time together over the years. It's more a series of small amounts of time that have added up to a bigger picture. But uh, it's something quite lovely about what it is that we do. That you do have uh, the nature of these friendships that sometimes, you know, you you might not have seen the person for to the uh, to an external person. You'll go over and start (laughs) laughing and talking to someone, and they'll be like. Oh, so some great friend of yours? And you're like, yeah, haven't seen him in seven years, <laughs> yeah. but just finished a conversation I started with them at a bar at three o'clock in the morning seven years ago.
1: <laughs> in Edinburgh. Yeah. yeah.
0: There is something about um, the community in that way that is very, very lovely. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, what What is it that you like about comedy? Let's just start with that for a start. Like what is it that gives you joy about comedy itself and the community? Talk to me a little bit about that.
1: I remember laughing myself inside out with uh, Denise Scott once on the road show. We were talking about the fact that if we weren't comedians, we'd never go to it. And Denise said, I'd never pay for it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Just some idiot saying stupid (laughs) stuff. I really don't. I think what it is is that um, it is such a lone craft. You fly so solo uh that i love just even spotting another stand up so that I, I know that that person knows it so much that so many people in my closest you know orbit will never know it's a very hard thing to describe what it is we do um not to, it's not so hard to describe what stand up is but it's the actual aloneness of it and the nakedness of it and it's just something only another stand up would get my husband used to get quite jealous about it the relationships I'd have with other stand ups and I think it must be a hard thing to be a partner of a stand up I don't know
0: yeah I think there there is that acknowledgement of I mean Jerry Seinfeld said it many many years ago um, uh, that there's a secret handshake yeah. you know that it feels like there's a secret handshake yeah. that, that, or I guess uh, the way that people talk about and I'm not comparing the two but I'm just comparing the way people talk about it that idea of going to war with somebody or yeah, having yeah, yeah. you know like played some like I guess like an AFL player having played in a grand final yep. with a bunch of people that you all forever have this kind of shared experience
1: mm. but don't you think it's more the shared uh, pain than the shared <laughs> gain yes. like I when I like I know that you know like I know like every comic knows what it feels like to have a awful corpy all by yourself on, say, a Thursday lunchtime. <laughs> no. I. Used, Mikey Robbins used to ring me after he died at corpies. Too cute. We used well, to ring each other.
0: There's some great thing about comedians where I've never been at a table... And perhaps there are these tables of comedians and we just avoid them. But I've never been at a table of comedians where everyone's talking about their best gigs.
1: No, never, ever, ever. You know,
0: it's never late at night and everyone's going, tell me about the best gig you ever did. And then somebody else goes on to the story about the best gig they've ever done. I mean, that'd be obnoxious, by the (laughs) way.
1: Yeah. No, that's what we do, isn't it? You get together and you can't wait to hear about the bad ones. Bad gigs. I love
0: them. So tell me about, let's... Let's not do this in a traditional order. Let's just start with now before we go back. Mm-hmm. Where are you at? What's what's going on in your life? How do you feel? What's your relationship to comedy? You know, how are you feeling about life at the moment? Like, give me a sort of, you know, up-to-date where Fiona's at right now.
1: Well, I've just done my... I didn't even know what number this comedy festival was um, for me. Not as many as you, but... How many
0: do you reckon you might have done?
1: Well, I started in 2000. And one, I think.
0: And have you done most years? Yeah. So you've probably done 15, 16 minimum. Yeah, I'd say 15 right? minimum, yeah.
1: yeah. And it was weird. This show, it was the first time I kind of – felt it's not jaded. It's not that. I'm like, I'm ready now to, like, take this bag of tricks that I've got because I'm now finding my old stuff and polishing it up and it's unrecognisable to me. So I'm kind of a bit over this whole concept of having to do a brand new show every year. I'm going to polish up.
0: Well, is there something to be said though about like, not just polishing up, but reinterpreting through the fact that you're a different person to the person who wrote the material as well. Surely you have a different perspective on what it is that you're talking about and you're able to bring some new context to that material as well.
1: Well, I've still got this beautiful thing of what's in front of me that I talk about. And, you know, to me it's still – I nearly got caught as just being the mum comic for years. You know, it's just like – I called – you know when you pick a – oh, you wouldn't know about this because all your titles are brilliant. (laughs) But, you know, when you pick a – I picked a title that was so bad. I was in a shoe shop with the kids getting their back-to-school stuff ready. This is years ago. Andrew Taylor rings me and he goes, you need to get a, we need a show title by two o'clock. And I was just frazzled. And I said this show title and he ran with it. And then I had to live with it for What was
0: the show title? Oh, God,
1: Will. I'll, you watch. Tell me. I'll blush. From here. <laughs> 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 From here to maternity. <laughs> Remotely interesting or cool, don't come. Like what? What was I thinking? I
0: mean, what I love also is it doesn't really even make any sense. Like no, it's one of those like, titles that you're like, what is that about? From here to maternity, what is like
1: it? it's a bullshit. I want to punch myself. People
0: ask me, you know, why why the wheel puns, and basically it's to avoid that. Like it was the, the nature of what we do is we get asked for our show title well before we've yeah, conceived the show. Yeah, just about, yeah. And so like, if I just put a wheel pun in the title, I was able to just go, I can still be, I mean, my show's not what it was. I'm show 10 shows into the festival yeah. and there's probably a third of the show that's different to what it was Absolutely. two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So the idea that somehow I can commit in August last year to what I the show know. is going to be is yeah, yeah, yeah. an unreasonable demand. yeah. yeah. It should be like you know how some parents don't name their baby straight away. They let they're like I'm going to get a feel for this baby first, and then I'll name the baby. Should be like that with shows it about, be too. or we should all have generic show titles for the first week of the festival, and then after the first week we have like a naming ceremony, and you can call your show whatever
1: you want after that, uh, that's, and that's the show's name from then on. What about it? I remember one year I threw together a show, just threw it together because I never actually have written out a show. Ever okay? Like so, physical. what do you do? Just work it up and keep I, it in your head. I go. It's like which stories? So it's about twelve stories a show, pretty much, and um, ten to twelve stories. But I, I write bits and pieces, and it's all through my handbag, and it's terribly unorganized, disorganized. But um, what happened this particular year, years ago? It was I called the show. This is how lazy I was that year. Uh, the quintessential Fiona O'Loughlin, Volume Three. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's a good show dialogue. That
1: was the most cobbled together piece of shit. And then I f- flung myself into bed. And I remember one of my kids, she was, I think she was 18. She was a grown up. Cause she, yeah, because she'd been out and she said, Oh, you got nominated for the Barry Awards. And I remember saying, Fucking idiots and passed out. <laughs>
0: Uh, do you know, because this is interesting, like, and that's probably a good story about that, which is the the discrepancy between what we think will be funny and what the audience think is funny. Like, do you have a good sense when you're putting something toge- uh, together going, oh yeah, this will be funny? Yeah. Or much like that story that you're saying, you sometimes go, I don't think this is my best. And then suddenly it's... yeah. You know, I
1: well I'm having the opposite experience of that this year. I thought this show the most I've worked on a show by a long shot. Um, and it I, I trusted it a lot and it really just didn't come together. <laughs> 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 How do you and then I'm just putting on a brave face and I'm tweaking it every just... night. Mum and Dad came the other night. My parents, why are they even still alive? I'm fucking 56. Why have I still got parents? And Dad <sighs> says to me afterwards, you know when your folks try yep. and say something positive?
0: What did he roll out?
1: <laughs> what did he roll out? He's 87. He turns to me, to, you know, in a way it would be nice if you could start playing to less people. <laughs> You know what? Smaller.
0: It'd be way be nicer if you could play he, to less people. Yeah,
1: I knew what he meant. Th- what? What do you think he meant? <laughs> uh, I think he. I don't know. I don't really know what he meant. Um, I think it'd be the worst thing ever to watch your child do stand up.
0: I mean. Oh God. I feel so bad for my parents when they come. Like oh, so bad.
1: Yeah. Why well, did you know?
0: I mean, my father in particular, who is a dairy farmer who lives on the road he was born on, you know, like a but guy who's never... My
1: dad lives on the road he was born on. Right.
0: Well, there you go. Never drunk alcohol, never smoked a cigarette, you know, like married the first woman he ever kissed, you know. Wow. Like has a pretty simple approach to life and the world and yeah, these yeah. sort of things. Certainly has never sat down and we didn't own any comedy albums when I was growing up. Right. Like, you know, yeah. he... I'd, if I was asked to name my father's favourite comedian, I would not be able to because I am pretty sure that my father would not be able to name another comedian other than me. Like
1: my dad, good Dave Allen.
0: Yeah, oh, my mum likes comedy. Yeah, my mum's interested and she loves entertainment, loves musicals, and yep. like you know, like used to take us to see things. But my dad, not interested at all. Wow! And so he comes every year. Yeah, you know, like he comes and he sits through it, and I know to him it just must be unfathomable unfathomable that i'm doing it unfathomable that people enjoy it like i bet he's more like he's like he's kind of got used to the idea that i do it but i still think he's not used to the idea that people consume it willingly people who aren't obliged out of blood relationships come to it willingly and voluntarily i
1: remember doing a gig in darwin at the Darwin Performing Arts Centre, and my mum finds out that some friends of hers went, and she said to me, "Do you know, Mari and Ron Ryan went to your show, bought tickets to your show? Aren't they amazing?"
0: <laughs> it's like heaps of people buy tickets to my show. <laughs> you know, they're all actually people.
1: Well, after I won the, <laughs> after I won Celebrity, get me out of here. Mum was saying because they live in a country town in South Australia. And mum said to my sister, Emily, well, she'll have to come and thank everyone at IGA.
0: She thought the local IGA got you, got you across the line, did she?
1: Well, it's just in their world, I guess. Yep. And everyone's talking about it. And you do feel a sense of, um, I don't know, I guess. I think mum did really would like me to go over and thank the girls at IGA.
0: Um, family and comedy is an interesting uh, area to talk about, which is like, you know, you talk about your parents coming to see you, you know, you have, your know, children who can come and and see you. Like, how have you felt about, like, I- I- in an ideal world, I often think, because I'm not making it for my family. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the worst days of my entire life was when I was early on in comedy, but maybe three years in or whatever. And I had never my nan had always wanted to come and see me do it. And I'd always said, it's just not for you. It's yeah, yeah. Like, it's just not, this is not for you. And she came to Melbourne and she bought a ticket and she just snuck into the show. Did and she? it just happened to be also a really horrible show. Like oh. just, but you know, like, I mean, yeah, yeah. even my best shows back then probably were really horrible, but even by the standards that I was, you know, aspiring to myself, it wasn't a great show.
1: And and you I just, know she was in there.
0: Well, yeah, but only afterwards. Okay. No,
1: no, no, not, yeah, yeah. not beforehand. Yeah.
0: No, afterwards I discovered that she was in there. And, and it's not, it's not made for her. Yeah. And if I was making, you know, comedy for a 90 year old lady, then that, that would be stupid. That's a, yeah. I mean, that is not a demographic that (laughs) can really get out (laughs) of the house for a start. Stay off my pad. Yeah. Well, also, yeah, I don't want to come into your territory, but it's, it doesn't exist In a cocoon, it doesn't exist in a, in a vacuum, your family, whether they be your parents or your, you know, you know, siblings or whether they be your children, you know, exist in the world where you do this thing as a job and that you reveal things about your life and people assume that they know things about your life. Yeah. Like, how has that been, you know, for you as a general, I mean, I'm not, I, I, you can be as specific as you want to be, Mm. but I'm asking you just in a general sense about the relationship between yeah being a confessional and honest comedian mm. and then having real life people who know you and how they are affected by that material
1: well i did have a bit of a freak out this year because often it's the funniest stuff that comes to me you know, that i then go oh shit are they going to be okay with that you know but he was fortunately loved it my kids are probably the easiest at understanding cuz they've watched it since i was so young And they understand the cut and pasting, you know, of how we will organise a bit or... But Bert, one of my kids, he was in... He calls me from Berlin earlier in the year and... The, I was talking about in this show. and This is a bit of this show I love. This show about the difference between the silence of my generation to teenagers and young people. You know, it was deafening. There were seven kids, but the silence was deafening. And then we were the generation. Oh, we can tell us anything. Tell us anything. You know, that's my kind of mothering. And a lot of my friends are like that. Well, care what you wish for, because Bert, my kid, rings me from Berlin. <laughs> He's twenty-four. He rings me up Hey he goes, Mum, I've done some really bad (laughs) MDMA. As opposed to good MDMA, I guess. He's chewed off the inside of his cheek and wanted to know if I could FaceTime him and check it out.
0: Oh, he wanted to show you the inside of his cheek.
1: (laughs) I said you can get fucked.
0: I mean... You can talk Don't. to me. If you get some good MDMA and you want to tell me how much you love me for half an hour, sure, but I'm not looking at the let's inside just, of your chewed up no, mouth because che- you've taken some bad MDMA yeah, at some Berlin, Berlin sex club.
1: And you're 24. <laughs> so I said you can get fucked. Yeah, sorry. So he's in the audience. He's laughing his ass off at this show. Right. Like, he loves it. <clears throat> this kid, but then mum and dad were in there, and I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, do I really want mum and dad knowing,
0: Bert's? knowing that Bert's taking <laughs> <laughs> ecstasy in Berlin? <laughs> I like the bit, but I don't like how you've raised Bert.
1: <laughs> yeah, so being autobiographical is—it's a bit tricky. What's well,
0: challenging, right? And when you also have a life that you know has some ups and downs in it, yeah, and you are going to talk about those ups and downs.
1: I mean, it's a pretty big. Well, I've got so many brothers and sisters that I still believe think. That stand up comedy turned me into an alcoholic, and I'm just like, you know, that can't. I mean, it certainly didn't help. I mean, yeah, but it doesn't help. It I t- mean, if you're going
0: to be one, it's a good accelerator, what, what good
1: place to hide. Yeah. No, great
0: fun place no, to. I'm going
1: to go do stand up, yeah, it
0: certainly can enable you on your journey yeah. into alcoholism. Oh, jeez.
1: yeah. But the fact that they still find it really difficult, um, to even talk about my career on any level, some of my siblings.
0: Because they think that the I think I think that the addictions came from comedy right? I, think, I think
1: it's encouraging. Me. Right. <laughs> my brother, after I got out of rehab and after the coma and all that and I'm out of rehab was my kids said to me, Can you stop talking in such dramatic terms when you're time framing your life? I'm like, Was that before the coma or after the coma? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so somewhere between rehab and coma. All right, okay. <laughs> It was Wednesday. You could have just said it was Wednesday.
1: <laughs> so I'm on the phone to my brother. I just got back because I was in long-term rehab for seven months in Canberra and got back and had this cool apartment in um, uh, Collins Street. Anyway, I'm just chatting on the phone to my brother. He goes, so you got an apartment in Collins Street? And I said, yeah. And he goes, how are you affording that? I said, well, I've got, I'm going back to work. I've just started working again. He said, doing what? <laughs> so- Part of me is like, I feel like Marilyn from the Munsters sometimes. I'm like, what are you do? Are you trying to send me crazy? I, find, I found that's been the biggest battle, Will, and I've actually never talked about it. It's the, the biggest battle for me is I don't want it to be special what I do, but please don't treat it like I'm a stripper, you know. That's what it's like sometimes. You'll go quiet, you know, and I come from a lot of people, you know. I've got... Six brothers and sisters, most of them married, so there's lots of in-laws, and everyone talks about what they do. Fiona walks into the barbecue and all goes quiet.
0: Why do you think? Why do you think that is?
1: Well, I wonder because if it's because, well, I, I know it's because of my alcoholism, but I don't but know. D- is
0: it was it before that as well? Like, I mean, because there would have been a time where you know you were. Yeah, doing stand up comedy as a living and doing it very yeah. successfully. Do you feel like
1: never doing it very well though, I don't think, according to them.
0: Oh, okay. So you don't think I that think they it would
1: be a very hard taskmaster though of a sibling if you're funny too. Do you know what I mean? Like they're all pretty funny.
0: Okay. So I uh, so you know, they're all funny and but they just like no, funny is something for being amateur.
1: I don't know. <laughs> keep yeah, that. I, don't,
0: I don't like you how you sold out and went pro with your funny. <laughs> Do you notice how I just keep my pro yeah. for parties and barbecues?
1: You're disgusting. You charge people.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You charge something. Well, I guess that's with that thing of just going. It's fine to do it, yeah. but if yeah. you charge if people you charge for people. it, that's dirty. Yeah, that is interesting to me. I, I don't think that I've ever got that from people. I must admit, like I, my family, while often confused by what I do, or yeah. I, I don't think I've ever treated it like it's not a real job. Um, I ask people on this podcast whether they have a philosophy and it occurs to me that we should talk about that first and then we can, you know, you know, dance our way through some other things, you know, with whatever that sparks. But do you have a, you know, a life philosophy or a philosophy towards something?
1: Um, yeah, my philosophy is what used to be, we'll all be dead in a hundred years. I've had to shave that down to 50.
0: Yeah. As in everyone will be dead or you just personally? (laughs) Do you It'll think the planet or years. just you?
1: No, my philosophy is: I this planet's not going anywhere.
0: Oh, the planet will be fine, but what about humanity well, on you, the planet? Humanity
1: will be fine too. I think okay. I'm a weirdo. Though, see, when I had when I was in the coma, um, they said I'd only have a thirteen percent chance of no seven percent chance of being normal. Like, we'll never know. What um <laughs> yeah, what were they basing of, on that? What 30, you were before you went into yes, the coma? or <laughs> 30% chance of having, <laughs> surviving it and 7% chance of being normal. Right. What I do have is a tiny bit of brain damage, which is so joyful. Because this is what I've, I've, I've knocked off a bit of uh frontal lobe as in, I get very confused about what's in my handbag, where things are. Okay. None of that really upsets me. Um But the other thing is I've just got this innate optimism that I've never known before. And I don't know whether it's because I came so close to death I have no fear of death, but I also now think, nah, humanity's just started, I reckon. I, I feel like we've only maybe, this is just one scenario possible. It's just a possible scenario. That What if we were only just recently down from the trees in the big scheme of things?
0: Well, I think that is probably true, right? In the big scheme of things, we are just recently down from the trees. Unfortunately, I feel like we're about to set the, the trees on fire and burn <laughs> with them, but but you might be right. You're the second person in a row that I've had a conversation with who's more optimistic about the future of the world than I am, and I'm glad to hear it.
1: Well, the other day I was in a car and I, a, a hire car, well, I got picked up from the airport in Sydney in this private car. I thought, that's an unusual looking car. Anyway, I don't really pay much attention to cars, and I was doing a corporate in Sydney and we we're going across the bridge. And then I noticed the driver wasn't holding the steering wheel, Will. And it was a Tesla.
0: Yeah, like a electric sort of with a driverless, with some of it being driverless mode.
1: Yeah, and then I was talking to this guy who um wasn't driving. I was going to say talking to the guy driving the car, but I was talking to the guy who wasn't driving the car. Mm-hmm. But he was saying, my great grandchildren, so my kids' grandchildren, that generation will mostly never drive. No one will drive. And I'm like, well hang on, and these are all electric and we're all just going to Uber things Every I'm like, well, it, that's going to be very good on the planet, isn't it? There's all this good news that we never hear about. We're just addicted to scary, scary news. Uh,
0: I hope that's right. I hope that is actually the case.
1: But I also think the whole Me Too thing and um, uh, what's going on with you – know, where people. I, I was at this barbecue um, last year, family barbecue, this dickhead in-law big, bloated, gross, white, straight man. Anyway, he goes...
0: As a white, straight man, I feel very
1: offended by but what he's you're saying, Fiona. <laughs> he said it was just after the gay marriage vote came in and there something else he was bellyaching about. He goes, oh, the world's gone mad. And I said to him, really, do you think? And I said, I just think the world's getting kinder. And I think the reason the world's getting kinder is because we need every brain, every mind on deck. So we need every gay mind on deck, every female mind on deck. I think there's enough minds on the planet right now to fix the ocean, to stop world hunger. It's all there. We've just got to stop with this last gasp of, what is it? This last wind of, Trump will never happen again, ever, ever, I don't reckon.
0: I mean, I hope that's the case i I hope that's the case. I, I hope just it's the last, last surge the last gasp the last yeah, gasp. yeah the dead cat bounce, yeah, yeah um so that i li lo- I love that if that is the case, and I love what you just said then about that idea of the untapped you know like the fact that if we've only heard from straight white men yes, up until this yes, point yes. what are we gonna and I'm talking very and much I in love fraud straight principles white men. yeah I, I mean yeah, this is but if we have only heard from them so far if they've had most of the microphones right and had yeah. the loudest voices in the room yeah then if suddenly we let all these other people in the world yeah. like more than 50% of the the rest right yeah, yeah. Like, because 50% are women yeah so that that alone yeah, is 50% yeah, yeah, yeah. but then you talk about you know the disenfranchised groups of you know, men as well yeah, that haven't yeah. had those voices yes if we just let them all have a say then our chances of coming up with a solution for the problems that we have have suddenly been, you know, multiplied by, yeah, exponentially, right?
1: Exactly. So it makes sense to me. And also think what are the odds that we're going to be the last humans to see, you know, the, to see humanity out? What are the odds? I
0: mean, it's an arrogant assumption, It's isn't a
1: very it? arrogant assumption. Yeah. So I kind of like it.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. I like that because that is not really what I think, but I like Hearing that perspective, <laughs> it's much more optimistic <laughs> than the one that I have. I'm going to need to get myself in a coma, turn myself around. Um, say, how long were you in a coma for? Uh,
1: two and a half weeks.
0: What's it like being in a coma? Do you have any awareness of what? What? Yeah, oh. like what's your sort of – I've never spoken to anybody who's been in a, an actual coma, I don't think. Yeah, the
1: strangest thing about it, the only awareness you really have is – it's interesting. Is actually your sleep time? Because say you're, because you're not awake anyway. You're in a coma. You, so if it's your awake time while you're in the coma, you're just in the coma. But for some weird. So hang on. So you w- do?
0: You still of you kind of sleep? Are you saying that you still kind of sleep in normally, the coma?
1: Yeah, you still have sleep periods. You don't know your awake periods, right? But you know your sleep periods. I felt more. I have, only have memories of sleeping. Isn't that mm. weird? That is weird. And here's and it was the same dream over and over and over again. And you don't need to be Freud to work out what it means. So I was in a this is in the dream. And I know people's dreams are really boring. Oh. And someone says, I'm I tell think you about it's an exception dream. if you've okay. been
0: in a coma. I think if someone's at a party and go, I'm gonna tell you about my dream, everyone's <laughs> like, here we go. If someone's like, Hey, I was in a coma and it turns out you sleep while you're still in a coma yeah. and I had this one dream over and over. Did I think everyone at the party's okay. like, Hey <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gather around, everybody. <laughs> don't feel like this is going to be a... <laughs> I love you, Will. So, yeah, the dream, same dream. And I didn't much like going to sleep while I was in the know, I don't know what was happening when right. I wasn't asleep. Um, anyway, I'm in a charter boat in the top end. Um, there's a charter fisherman. He's a uh, tourist. Mm, not, the couple of tourists, but he's a charter fisherman and he's okay. got it's his a family. Boat. It's his boat. He's got a mum and a dad, two kids on his boat as a charter fisherman and they were fishing for barramundi. And he said to them, just, um, we don't keep them. We just catch them and throw them back in. Don't worry. It's just for fun. None of the fish get hurt. And I was a barramundi stuck down the side of, they'd caught me and they'd gone to throw me back and I was stuck down the side of the boat. And I, I was just trying to let them know that I was here, and I'm just desperately this fish. And in my dream, I'm a total fish. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just doing fish faces, and trying as hard as I can to let this to let someone know I'm here, so you can throw me back in the water. Awful, same dream over and over and over again. Oh
0: man, have you had the dream ever again since you were out of no, the coma? No. Yeah, right. No. Amazing.
1: I've, I've been in crazy good form, you know, as in mentally. Not so much straight after the coma. Not, I'm talking about post-rehab, really, since because I had terrible post-traumatic stress after the coma. I flipped out, lost my mind in Adelaide and um, went underground. like Totally went underground. Didn't contact. Wouldn't let anyone see me like that. Drank like a proper alky. Lived like a proper alky.
0: Had you, well, so d- tell me first you're in a coma. Yeah. When you come out of the coma, how does that work? Like, are you aware that you've been in a, I mean, I assume they explain it to you early on, but were you aware that that much time had passed? Were you aware of what was going on or are you still so ill that you, that that, that's not information that you can
1: comprehend? I'm missing a week before the coma. Okay. So I don't really have memory for about three and a half weeks. And I knew that I had a dodgy heater in my apartment. Um, But also a lot more went down than that. Like the dodgy heater gave me some memory loss that I didn't really need on top of everything else. Right. And (laughs) I've been to a dentist, had a tooth extracted, so there's Panadine 4 involved, there's a dodgy heater, and there's booze. So it's looking very rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And everyone just thought it was a suicide attempt. But I didn't know that's what everyone thought. So I've woken up and I'm like, I'm kind of like, oh, I wonder what happened. <laughs> and my daughter, she's so beautiful, Tess. She said to everyone, as far as she knows, you know, no one's to make her feel guilty about this. She was very protective. Um, so I didn't really know and I was too scared to ask for a while. But it kind of dawned on me, yeah, about – I know, just a lot of people ask me outright, nurses – Remember this Chinese nurse? It sounds so racist, but I just, I, I can only do the way she did She comes in, she goes, why did you do what you did? <laughs> <laughs> and I went, I didn't. No one would listen to me. Anyway.
0: I mean, it's that sort of like straight talk that nurses yeah, have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I bet she's not even, she probably doesn't even talk like that normally.
1: She's probably not even Chinese.
0: But yeah, she goes, guys, you got to do that <laughs> straight talking Chinese thing.
1: <laughs> Ask her.
0: She's not responding to the questions. Go and do it. This poor, this poor Chinese girl who's been raised in Australia, doesn't have a Chinese accent. It's like, if you guys make me do this one more time, I'm calling HR. All right, here we go. Um, So then you have post-traumatic uh, stress.
1: Which is very common for anyone in um, intensive care.
0: I mean, that probably isn't surprising, right? Yeah. You're in a hor- horribly high pressure environment and situation, you've had a, a medical emergency yourself, but you're also surrounded by an environment where yeah. everybody's having a medical emergency and you're in a place where everybody is constantly either used to being in a like, you know, as in the yeah. people who work there, they're used to yeah. going to work and it being,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. she
0: could go down at any stage a- and any I've got to be ready to go. Yeah. But you've been thrust into that environment that you don't normally work in, plus no. plus the thing, the events that have led you in there in the first place. I yeah. imagine it was so
1: awful lot to kind of wrap your head so
0: around. So, how soon did you like s- start to spiral out of that then? Like post coma, where you went into that really particularly.
1: Well, I was in hospital for three months. Yeah, and then I moved over to Adelaide. It's really, not really. I I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but. Moved to Adelaide and that's kind of, I remember where the, um, my head broke walking down the parade in Norwood. I was staying with one of my sisters and I just walked down the parade in Norwood and you kind of feel your head break. I think it just kind of went.
0: Well, what, I mean, tell us like what, I mean, because again, like what, what, what did it feel like? Uh,
1: it was a memory of what I saw in the coma and that was a gunshot wound straight through my heart. Huge, boom, big two holes, and I saw it again uh, when I was walking down the street, uh, and I just went, oh, I don't, I don't want to think about that. Raced into a bottle, I think, and that's really, I didn't say, you know, didn't really make another good decision for about four months.
0: What's it like to, um, like have that relationship with booze where it becomes? The this, I mean, the solution to the problem sounds like the wrong thing to say because it's not, and I think that there's a point where you know it's not right. Yeah, yeah. You but know, it's, it's no it good for you. A but it for works so for so long. Yeah. So, so
1: perfectly for so long. Yeah. That even while well, the whole world's telling you something else, you and it know the truth. Mm. It's really, yeah. yeah. If 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 addiction had you know a personality, mine would be like, she's. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Oh,
1: I know what to do with it.
0: Yeah. And there's yeah. a bit of uh fuck these guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know me. You know the real me. Yeah. <laughs> fuck these guys. <laughs> Telling us that we shouldn't be together. <laughs> fuck these guys. They don't know me. You and know me. Every
1: single time <laughs> I, I bring that friend back. Oh, God. But then that's what they say, you know, in uh, uh God, I wish they didn't call it a fellowship, but there's so much stuff. That when you hear other people, because you've got, I had uniqueness, you know, terminal uniqueness. I think with my career, and you know, you you go to a meeting and it's like, yeah, but they don't have. that's almost say the opposite in meetings. Uh, um, that often people say, you know, and I wanted to be the next big singer or be the next big, uh, I was going to do these great things, but, of course, that was just the boot. And I'm like, I did have yeah. <laughs> I, was. I was all those things. <laughs> and that's. I ended up winning, I'm a
0: celebrity, get me out of here. Like, literally. <laughs> Can't stop being famous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's often talked about in these 12-step fellowships as the madness of the drug. Um,
0: so, <laughs> like, no, no, the madness was already there. The drug came along. Drug was my plus one.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but the madness was already happening. That
1: was well and <laughs> The madness happening. told me I could
0: bring a friend. Yeah. And I brought a friend.
2: <laughs> oh, it turns out that oh, friend yes.
0: also knew a whole bunch of people there. <laughs> oh, God, friend was true. very happy for me to have an open relationship <laughs> with some of its other friends.
2: Yes,
1: that's right. <laughs> So good.
0: Um, When did you, did you, like, I mean, again, like, and, you know, I, I ask, but please, if we talk about anything that you don't want to talk about, let's just move on and we'll talk about something else. Yeah. Um, but when, when was it that you knew that, or did you know that? You were going from, here's a relationship that I have with, you know, drugs and alcohol that is fine and part of my life, to going, here's a relationship that I have with them that is no good for me anymore. Were you aware when that was happening?
1: Oh, yeah. See, it happened over, it happened in one fell swoop. Um, And that was, I was doing a corporate uh, in Canberra. I'd been dry. about three months. This is before, this was after the incident in Queensland. <laughs> it's after I fell down, I passed out dead drunk on stage yep. in Queensland in front of 400 people. So that's where I got a lot of my gay followers, though, in Queensland because it's very Judy Garland.
0: I mean, it is one of those moments where, again, and th- there's, n- there's nothing good to be celebrated about that, but at the same time, there's another part of you that's just like, what a great moment. <laughs>
1: Like, imagine. So that's what I always talk about, as in the public one, but the very private one was I was at this corporate and I f- fell off the wagon. I won't even go into an a- example why. It was a very simple moment that I made a decision. It was the wrong decision. And I ended up um, going out with a heap of women from this corporate, uh, from Parliament House in Canberra. I remember – this is what I remember. I remember being with these women saying, oh, but I'm not drinking. And they're like, that's okay, so-and-so is not drinking. And I could okay, I'll go out with you. And I was paying the waiter to put vodka in my orange juice. I know that much. And I know where it started. It started in Parliament House. There was a sea of champagnes, uh, like literally a corridor full of them. And I was about to leave and they'd said, look, this judge really wants to meet you. And it's just a weird thing. Oh, a judge? Really? What the fuck? And I've said, okay, I'll 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 meet the judge, and I'll. one said, of the
0: Barry judges, because otherwise, <laughs> doesn't actually have much.
1: So I let my hire, I let the car, the driver who come to get me go. I just made the worst decision, not that it's the judge's fault, but I went to the bathroom just for I met the judge, and there's just a row upon row upon row of champagnes, and I reckon I downed four. And that's then the next thing I remember is being with these women, and getting the waiter to put orange juice in uh, vodka in my orange juice. Now, then I have a very shady memory because blackout is a terrible thing. You're literally missing parts of your... But I woke up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, someone on me and in me, okay? So the worst had happened. The worst. The worst, 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 because I was married. And um, I'd only ever been with my husband. So that was... The worst, and I was like, "Oh my god, I've got to get like this out of my." Room. I don't know what this is. I don't know if it's bad. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I'm in danger. And right, terrifying. But then afterwards, the sadness of it. But here's the thing, um, alcoholics. You know, if you if you get in your car and drink drive and you kill a kid, you still go to jail. You know, we're we're cool with that. And I've always been very cool with that's what ended my marriage, you know. I don't feel particularly shameful or guilty about it. I'm just like, that's what happened. And that is actually what happened. And it looked like I, it looked, I I think I was fairly unfairly treated, like by, um, I wouldn't judge anyone that harshly, you know, but it didn't look good. And I knew it didn't look good, and particularly from the people I come from, like, it's not just... You know, and I, I loved my husband, but it was a bad look all around and everyone found out. And so I tried to suicide really, really and I meant business, you know. Um, and I gave it so many goes because I always knew, because there's, you still, uh, still inside me is this weird um, conservative Catholic girl. I, I became unrecognisable to who I was. As when we first got together, what am I? All of a sudden, now I'm fucking a stranger. Like, what? I-, I couldn't work it out. But then, in many ways, now there's so much stuff that I know more and better about now because of it all. Like, I wouldn't change. I know that sounds crazy.
0: Well, you can't change anyway. I don't so, think I, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I would change it. I would. I definitely would. There'd probably be a few things you'd change. We'd all have a couple of...
1: <laughs> Give me that pen. Yeah, exactly. Imagine if
0: we just, <laughs> it's an interesting question, though, because I do ask it occasionally on the podcast, which is that idea of if you could have your life over, you know, are there moments of your life that you would like to erase? And I don't think it's an unfair... I mean, the conundrum is always, or the simple answer is always, you know... The mistakes that I've made have made me the person that I am. I today. don't buy
1: that at all because yeah. the mistakes you made also hurt people. Yeah, you know, I, I'm just not buying that. Yeah,
0: if they just hurt me, fine. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe there's some argument to that, but the times that when you hurt other people, because I think often and and please, uh, if I'm wrong on this, or I'd love to hear what you think about this, but there's there's a part of yeah, you know, where there are addictions, um, where you feel like sometimes it's okay because you're only hurting yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like it doesn't matter if I'm just hurting myself. But, it, but when it starts to then hurt other people, that's yeah. when you start to have those yeah, more you, serious it's kinda regrets. it's kind
1: of like you lose your, yeah, you lose your right to, yeah, I feel I've lost the right to, you know, to drink or drink. <laughs> You had a go. I had a go. Uh, had a you had a go. go. You had a good crack,
0: to be honest. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh yeah, I bought some leftovers, well. Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, you know. So you look. We're not going to, you know, talk about all that today because, you know. Also, there's going to be a documentary about you that's going to cover that as well. That's oh, yeah, that's coming out, and you um, a,
1: you've got a really, really big brain, Will Anderson.
0: I don't like people a to know Very articulate. I've, I've wasted it on telling dick jokes to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I am interested in that period between coma and then, as you said, you know, you go into a, a really dark place then. You know, you, you're walking down the street, you know, you you, br- you feel your brain break. Mm. And then you, you know, as you just said earlier, you start to live the life of an alcoholic. You know, mm. as in... So...
1: Which I had never done. Yeah. Because that's so the thing about... So many right. people say, you know, they presume that I was this thing on the couch raising kids. It's crazy. It makes me infuriated. Yeah. You know, I i I was never, I never had the luxury of being a, thank God I never had the luxury because I would have, you right. know, if I, I reckon if I was a bloke. Um, see, men can mask it for longer because women will mask it for them. You know, women will cover for a bloke with alcoholism and often kids will cover for a dad with alcoholism, but it's much harder. I've got a lot more daughters. Probably
0: easier to hide it as well. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you can drink away from home as well, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So I white knuckled always at home. Um, and I didn't mind it either. It was a bit rough when I'd come back, you know, from a month in Edinburgh or somewhere, and then I'm back in Alice Springs. But, you know, my husband's going, oh, we're having a wine? And I'm like, no. Was someone coming over? Yeah. Like, I didn't, I never wanted wine or two. I wanted just 25. So, yeah, it was all or nothing for me. But turning into a total drunk in Adelaide for four months, that was, yeah, sad and weird. But now, anyone, you know... I, you look at, because I was homeless too. And it changes the way you look at the world. Like, So what do you, again, like
0: we can talk, I, I feel like we have some permission to talk about this because it's not where you are right now. And it's rare that you get to talk to somebody about, you know, what that experience is like. Certainly somebody who has the capacity to understand and then process and talk about that experience. What is it, what does that feel like? Like I mean you're you're living a life where you a person who has been super successful at what you do, who has a brilliant mind, who has, you know, raised a wonderful family, has like, you know, done all these things, you know, you, you know, had this life that is to be admired on so many different levels. And then, you know, this disease and, you know, this addiction and, you know, the circumstances that you found yourself in. Suddenly you're, you know, essentially, like you said, homeless, you know, living the life of a, an alcoholic. Like, what does that, I mean, what does that feel like from where you've been to, to get to that point? And what perspective, I guess, does that give you on the world that you didn't have before that?
1: Well, it, it intrigued me that I had a lot of safety nets. You know, as an average person, I would have more than, well, I don't know. I, I'm fascinated now. I'm looking at people on the street and I go, how many safety how nets many did safety you nets? have? How many did you fall through? Yeah. Because I had more than my fair and I fell through every one. Yeah.
0: Well, not not fail through. Sometimes you cut your way through, don't you? That's
1: that's the trick. You fall f-
0: fall through the first couple, and then you're like, "I'm going to cut my way through this one." And today, I'm wearing
1: my costume of razor blades. So- Gosh, but it, it, it's a wonderful thing now to be like a young old person. Mm. As in, I'm elderly now, but I'm on the youngest end of elderly. Fifty six, yep. fifty seven. I, for so many years, felt I was hiding things. You know, I've got this to hide and that to hide. And I just haven't, I have nothing to hide. Right. Nothing. You, they cannot get me on anything. Not that anyone's ever, I've been treated so beautifully, you know, by the comedy industry and, you know, Australia at large. But when I say nobody can get me, it means I really can't wait. To get older and madder and talk more, so I never want to stop stand up, ever, ever, ever.
0: Okay, so th- you, you you do all this, you you know, put your life back together. You end up going out to the the jungle. Uh, you win. I'm a celebrity. Did you have a nervousness about doing that at the time, considering what you'd been through? Because that, I guess, is the only time. Like the comedy community, mm. no one there's going to you know, judge someone who's fallen because the truth of it is that the, the reason that most of us found our way there in the first place is that part of us is broken in some way. So we. Chris, what, are we,
1: what is, is it? Um, Chris Winehouse calls us bruised fruit.
0: <laughs> right. Well, that's it—a whole bunch of bruised fruit Bruce, Bruce. or a whole bunch of those, yeah, you know, those um, ugly vegetables they now sell in the shops. The, you know, the carrot that they—they they were going to throw away because it looks like a cock, and you can't sell that to a you can't sell that to a housewife. It looks too much like a cock. She's going to take a giant cock carrot home, whack it in the fridge. Her husband's going to feel inadequate because his dick's not as big as her carrot dick she now has. Yeah, that's what we are. There is no doubt about that, but. You go on something as mainstream as I'm a celebrity, you know, get me out of here. That's a that's as mainstream as it can get in some ways. Yeah, you know, well, you're PG, in the living yeah, yeah living room of PG Australia. Yeah. So what was that like? Did you have any hesitation about going? Um, I will say just for the record, that I said on day one that you were gonna win it. Did you? Day one in the radio studio. Everyone was like, who do you reckon will win? And I said, based on never having watched a show, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say Fiona will win this. Because you're a person that people love. And I knew that you would be a person that people responded to, but um, were you nervous about it?
1: Not really. I was very nervous about spiders. That's all. Ah. They're the only things that I would kiss a snake happily. Uh, um, but only a f- yeah, not long before that, or the year before that, I'd actually been in my living at home again with my. <laughs> Ripe old age of 54. You know I'm what I'm scared
0: just... of? Living at home with my parents. <laughs> Get me in a jungle with some celebrities. Oh, I'm wrapped. And it's good to be having a conversation with people who aren't mum and dad.
1: Well, Danny Green said to me one day, he goes, what are you always so happy about? I said, because I'm not sitting in the back seat yep. of my parents' car. <laughs> Do you have any idea what that feels like at 54? <laughs> yes, I will have a wildebeest testicle, please. I'll have three. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll have as many wildebeest testicles as I want without my mother saying, don't you think you've had enough <laughs> wildebeest testicles for the day,
2: Fiona? Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, so it was just such a great, I knew that it was the beginning, you know, So, and I was so lucky with the people that were in there, particularly, well, when I say the people, like Pete Roson and Danny Green, we got very tight and... Kind of did what comics would do. Just started mucking over, you know, mucking around a lot,
0: having your own little jokes. And yeah, repartee. Remember
1: Jackie Gillies came over one day and she was going, "Hey Ronnie, hey Brenda," and I'm like, "What are you doing? You yeah. can't play.
0: Yeah, You're not part of this <laughs> I game." I
1: turned into a mean girl. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 uh, this is the
0: meeting of the no Jackie's club. <laughs> <laughs> <sorry. laughs> Uh, but it is a small form of like you know a, a social i mean a social experiment in that way is yeah, that it's you're a human dropped too. it's a human zoo and you're dropped into that environment with a bunch of people that will have very different you know uh ways of looking at the world than you do because that's the nature of when you cast one of those shows there's mm. not much fun for them if they put no. in a whole bunch of people who are the same they yeah. put in a whole bunch of people who hopefully will be very different and have different experiences and whether they get along or don't get along is the yeah. the joy of the show, yeah, right? Yeah. So did you have a thought about what your approach would be that to that or did you just go in sort of guileless in that I'll just go in and be myself and see how it goes? Or did you have a sense of, yeah, this is me kind of, you yeah, know, dipping my toe back into the, the real world. I'm surrounded by a bunch. Of, were you aware of how you would be perceived in that situation? Like what was your approach, I guess is what I'm asking.
1: Um, my approach was to... Be myself, but that's a lot easier. That's a lot um, easier than it looks because you know how they say women can multitask. I can't, mm-hmm. so I couldn't keep remembering there were cameras there, and that was uh, I was on a reality TV show and muck around with Peter at the same time. Like I just can't. The, so I'm not. Right, I'm forgetting the cameras. I'm just going to talk to him and have fun with him. I found it very easy to forget about the ca- cameras, and I think that's what worked. I don't know that I could find it that easy to do again though. I think it's being, you know... Now you know? Yeah. Uh, You can tell the professional reality people really know what they're doing. Um, Driving you fucking mad most of the time. But even you could tell the way they could just be very aware of the cameras and now's my time to tell this story. They tell the story 20 times, different angles, knowing that they knew what they were doing and I didn't.
0: Uh, What about the... Having to get along with people that you did not like when you were out there.
1: Well, I'm, I've i had to be pretty patient in that regard. Just, just coming from a big family, I think, gives you that kind of um, patience. I lost, yeah, I didn't cope very well with David Oldfield, uh, who I don't even think God loves, David Oldfield. No. What a, how annoying, having a fight with someone on national television, you can't go back and edit it like and say something intelligent. I just, oh, you made my skin crawl, and I stormed off into the jungle.
0: I mean, if it had been more complicated than that, he probably wouldn't have understood it, you know? You've got to dumb it da- down for David, so Creepy at least he knows man. he's being insulted.
1: Yeah, yeah. I loved it. I had no idea I was going to win it until the minute when they were opening the envelopes, I'm just standing there with Shannon on, all of a sudden I went, hang on. I think I've got this. (laughs) 64% of the vote I got it by. Yeah. Weird. Wonderful.
0: Um, Do you mind if we just have a pause for a second? We've had a break. Like it. Good. Um, So, uh, Fiona Rolachlan. I'm going to ask you some of the questions that I always ask people on this podcast. Cool. If that's all right. Uh, So, firstly, what do you reckon happens when we die?
1: I think that we return to, I don't know, an energy.
0: Because you were raised Catholic. You said that. A bit of Catholic schoolgirl still in you. Do you have any of that sort of residual Catholic you know, belief in, you know, heaven or God or, you know, the nature of sin, heaven or hell, purgatory, any of those sort of concepts still in your mind
1: or? Well, I was, yeah, I'm indoctrinated. So I guess there's 10% of me that will, I mean, I love Catholics. I know good, really good priests, Mm -hmm. like awesome men, like Bishop Healy and um, Hurley, Hurley or Healy? Anyway, Darwin Bishop, brilliant um, guy, came down to Canberra and said um, to I think it was I don't know who the two leaders were, but like saying, please, just can we just walk with these people hand in hand? He's talking about Aboriginal uh, Australians, like, hand in hand for a hundred years. This is what this is going to take, you know. He's he's a brilliant man. I love all of that. So I get so- kind of sometimes really guilty about. Uh, having to let it go, but I have had to let it go for me. Cause I have no room for it in my sobriety. Like I've actually had to, there's a lot of things you've got to take out of your life. And for me, um, that fear has got to go.
0: Not positive for you.
1: No. Yes. Cause as far as I was concerned, I was going, I remember when I was a little kid asking a nun, I said, what, what is purgatory like a big long waiting room? And she said, no, dear, purgatory is the same state as hell. And I said, well, what is hell like burning flames? She said, no, dear. I like the way she's calling me dear. <laughs> she said, no, dear, it's worse than burning flames. And I'm trying to think what's worse than burning flames. And before I could ask, she said, hell is like the baby screaming for its mother th- for all eternity that it can never have. Right. Well, this all sounds very, 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 very grim. Yeah. And I, you know, I I do, I have to um, offer every day I offer up to a higher power. I don't know what that is. To me, I use the image of a baby's palm because I think a baby's palm is like you just look at that baby tiny little palm and to me, it's the universe, all those cells, all the, the. Here we are again. So I, I, I don't know what happens, but
0: uh do you care uh, what happens to you in particular? Like, I mean, do you have a preference? You know, when you die, that you are, you know, uh, buried or cremated, or you know.
1: Oh, I do want a statue. Well, yeah, you want a those, statue. That's one of those big angel statues on my grave. <laughs>
0: Like a statue of you falling
1: asleep a huge on stage archangel. <laughs> very, op- very opulent gravesite. I don't want people getting over me in a hurry either
0: <laughs> none I, of that I mean, but is that true? like I know that's a funny thing to say, but is it also true? Would you like to be well,
1: I kind of want the...
0: remembered, would you like people to mourn you? would you i mean is that something that is important to you?
1: Well, because you won't be there, so no, none of that really matters um I would like. I think to be cremated because of the worms um but I also I really like the bit where it's going into the ground though and everybody will cry. Right. It's a big closer.
0: <laughs> I mean it's a pretty big closer when they, you know, put you into the flames as well like <laughs> in the oven. They're both big closers. They're both big finishers.
1: What I would love is a sleep. Like I do, when they say rest in peace. Can we yeah. just rest in peace? Yeah. The Catholic Ever After is just – its just, there's no rest in peace about it. You've got to first be, you know, put somewhere to wait or whether – and then there's the Judgment Day. Apparently you're all back with your bodies again. That's when everybody's judged and, oh, it all just sounds – and God sounds like a tool, like – I used to think that when I was a kid, who wants people praising him all day, every day? What is this?
0: What is he, a stand-up comedian?
1: Who is this douchebag?
0: God's just sitting around waiting for his chortle review to come out.
1: Yeah, he he wants songs about himself every day. Guess what he's calling them? Hymns. Yeah. (laughs) He's
0: a
2: megalomaniac.
0: Um, how would you like to be remembered? How, how, what would you, when people talk about you, how, what would you like them to say?
1: Oh, I would, I'm very, um, touched that I probably will be remembered as a comedian, which, um, you know, when I started all, my only ambition was, if you didn't even call it an ambition, all I wanted was to somehow, some way, and this is when I was up in the middle of nowhere looking at you guys, you know, at the gala and everything. And I was just like, oh, I'd just love to leave one small footprint of my own on the landscape of Australian comedy. And I think I've done that. So that'll be Oh, right. you've
0: definitely done that. That's <laughs> 100% the case. You have done that.
2: <laughs>
0: um, what was it about comedy that attracted you? Like when you were in Alice Springs, is that where you were? Alice Springs? Yeah. And you're watching, you know, people do stand up comedy on television. You know, there's no local Alice Springs comedy club. You know, there's not a thriving local comedy scene for you to be part of. Like, what was it that A, attracted you to it? And then B, made you go that extra step, which was, I'm not just attracted to it, but I am going to Go to an extraordinary, unusual length, length to get this. To get this,
1: uh, was the actual um, uh, reality of the Sarangata, like walking into that hotel which was in South Melbourne, yep. and just down the
0: road from where we are. It's now apartments. Well, uh, two Sarangata Hotel is now I think two townhouses. They've split it? it and made it into two townhouses. One was for sale recently, and there was a part of me that was like, "Geez." Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if I lived in the Star and Garda. Like one of the first <laughs> mics I ever did stand up and now wow. I live in the Star and yeah.
1: So it uh, was Bob Franklin. Yeah, I blame him. Yeah, he was the MC that night and it was the first night I did 10 minutes or got up and did a an open mic spot. So I just wanted to play then. I had no idea what stand up could give you. I didn't know it had an international uh, element to it. All I wanted was to headline one day maybe in a club. So what a joyful and strenuous thing to do. Because then when I did that Starring Garden, and I'm like, well, now I've got to come back yeah. and do it again. Open mic, you know, get good at it. But the trouble for me was it meant I had to then organise another McCafferty's bus from Alice Springs, <laughs> Right. <laughs> Three days on a bus that used to take me to come down for open mic. To do, do five, five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. I used to hire... I hired a babysitter. Um, I'd go to local backpackers and um, interview ba- yeah, babysitters, then get the money for a bus fare. I love that it was a bus. Isn't that hilarious? Never a plane. Um, you know, people on buses are about 60% uglier than people on planes. It's <laughs> an interesting statistic. <laughs> if you think they're ugly, you should see the people at the terminals picking up the people off the buses. <laughs> Holy crap. That's that's busted face city. No, I did catch
0: a, there, there's something about a long distance bus ride. I, I <laughs> it's
1: just something about it.
0: I recently went to the country to see my parents and I, I caught the bus. Well, I, I was going to catch a train and the train was off so they'd replaced it with a bus. Yeah. And it was early in the morning on a day when there was only like eight other people on the bus for the entire time. <laughs> and there was that sense of us all looking at each other and going, what's happened? <laughs> How did we all all find ourselves here? (laughs) And we all know it.
2: Moving capsule of
0: losers. And this was like six months ago for me. So there's got to have been at least a couple of people who were late. Yeah. what's going on with Will Anderson? (laughs) Why is he on this bus?
1: Um, I love the power of it, stand-up. I think it's very powerful. Yeah, so
0: what was that? So uh, what aspect of power do you mean?
1: Just that you could... um you can reveal stuff that, under the guise of jokes, that's often quite true. What and,
0: sort of stuff? Like, what do you want to reveal? What is it that you want to say to people? Because I think at the heart of it, and whether we ever achieve it or not, there is a sense of people who want to who who do stand up of saying that I want to have some something to say, or I do have something to say, or yeah. I'm going to explore the idea that I have something to say, or sometimes you think that you have something to say, and then the more you do it, the more you realize that
1: that maybe you don't. maybe you
0: don't <laughs> maybe you're just saying the same shit that everybody's always said, and it's already been said, and it'll be said again even if you don't say it, but
1: yeah, I think that's what I, where I dropped the ball with this show I was doing Fiona and addresses the Nation, and I was trying to explain how I believe that our generation like I'm a baby boomer that this gen, the the generation divide is closing, and we're going to have to deal with that you know we're gonna live up to uh, like my kids will live to be 110 maybe. That, that's a lot of decades. So I don't think now you just rely on the two people that had you a decade or two before you and then rely on them for the rest of your life. you got to get on and make your own. And this uh, show, I was trying to explain how, you know, once upon a time in my day, say, I'd write in my diary, hide it under my pillow. You know, that was my generation's secrets. But... We're all on the same page now. We all have the same access to the same information, being the World Wide Web, as you know. Uh, But I just feel that we are becoming less and less uh, bound to this nonsense of uh, silence and secrecy between the generations. It's nonsense. How... Like we all say fuck, for instance mm. Like I'm the new br- grown up my age yes. now We're the new, br- we're, we're in charge now Not me personally, because I'm an idiot But you know, we're the people in charge of putting the old people Plenty in Plenty of idiots homes. in charge, by the way yeah, the Just charge. for the record
0: <laughs> That does not disqualify you from being in charge
1: And yet we're still kind of kowtowing a bit And pretending w- I was just talking about language in my show And I said, I'm telling you now Fuck is a word 90% of my people use it and cunt's not going anywhere either. That no. genie's not going back in the bottle. We need it. It refers to someone who's beneath contempt. That's just a word. We need it. What do, What do you have left to say?
0: Oh, I So thought... now you've got all this time. You've got these things to say. You've got, you know, you're back. You have an audience that want to hear from you. You have um, your voice back, but you also have a completely different perspective on life than you had, you know, previously it may be some of the same perspective, but it's certainly got to be colored by the range of incredible experiences that you've had, you know, in the last two, three years of your life as well. Um, What is it that you still have to say? What is it that you want to say? Um, Or what is it that you want to explore? You might not even know yet what it is that you want to say, but what is it that you want to explore?
1: Yeah, I'm not quite sure what I'm... I know that there's so much more to say, and I think that this year rushing into a brand new show... Um, maybe the problem was I was just a bit too content. Right. You know, I've got this beautiful granddaughter that I just don't want to do anything but play with her. I've got a tidy, nice house that I know where everything is. <laughs> <laughs> it's so annoying. I don't even think I owe anyone any money. I right. <laughs> don't
0: know anyone I'm any money. Sorry. I know where everything is. The heater works.
1: <laughs> the heater works. So that's not an issue. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much to say, but
0: I've just got to get my head around it, Will. <laughs> because that uh, there must be something that is, when, yeah, as a comedian, often when something goes wrong, comedy is easy. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh yeah, you know. yeah. Like, I mean, my show last year, I, you know, I got arrested on a plane, show wrote itself. Yes. I mean, it yes, didn't. Yes, I worked very I hard, hard on it, on it yeah, yeah, but yeah. at the same time. I just had plenty of great stuff oh, to work with. Yeah. Whereas this year, many, I had equal amount of dramas in my life, but there were more things that I couldn't take on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. And so then suddenly you were just like, well, I don't actually know what it is that I will talk about. And it's going to take me a little bit longer. It's going to be a harder yeah. process. Do you, did you have any fear that if you... Fix yourself, and you know I use inverted, yeah, you know, yeah. because you are you, know you, you yeah. But it, if you put these things in place to you know change your life substantially,
1: yeah, that there might not be much fodder at yeah. the end of it. Did
0: that does that worry you, or did that worry you?
1: Uh, n- it doesn't worry me anymore because I understand now. From years, in, See, I was always worried after I wrote the first show that I'd never come up with another one, and then the next one was obviously fluke, and so was the next one, so was the next one. And I'm only just starting to go. Hang on, maybe you know what you're doing, right? <laughs> right. That's normally what so, I go. Uh, well, it. I think somebody needs to get to the bottle. Oh? you know, I've uh, fluked it <laughs> 13 st- out of 15 times, <laughs> to be honest. Uh,
0: we had a real, real run of flukes. <laughs> A couple of those flukes got nominated for
1: the Barry. I think you're
2: fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fluke I, that as well. I, I took totally, my way to Montreal. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> I want a tour. I want to go to Ireland, and mm. you know, I don't want, need to make it anymore. Do you know what I mean? I don't have to make it. I just have to do it. And I'd love to um, take the bag of stories I've got. And we were raised more Irish than the Irish. And I'd love because I'm full blood Irish, and I've never been to Ireland, so. It's crazy, all my emig- all my grandparents emigrated, all eight of them, so I don't have any line in me, and I come from eight different parts of you know Ireland, so I've got to get there and and I'm free. All the kids grew up. I'm done. If I can just yeah keep my nose clean i could I could have quite a I'm really excited about the next decade. as I said, I'm still a young elderly. See, if I were to be hit by a bus today, they would say an elderly woman got hit by fifty seven's <laughs> elderly. Well, I mean, I think if
0: you got hit by a bus, to be fair, <laughs> they might not say an elderly woman got hit by a bus. They'd be like, at the very least, they'd be like, you know, <laughs> former, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, winner.
1: Former reality
0: star. Former reality star winner. <laughs> gets hit by a bus, everyone would be like, who is it? Guy Sebastian? I don't know. <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, that's career-wise. What about life-wise? What, what do you want to do? You know, life wise, you know, in the next, you know, bit.
1: I'd like to get my second book written and um, I'd like to start a blog too. Are they out of fashion now, blogs? I
0: don't know if they even exist. Oh
1: my God. (laughs) I'm thinking of starting a blog. blog? I just said that. Ah (laughs) ha ha ha! How long have you been you in a coma? Have seen <laughs> <Will's>, <laughs> you should have seen Will's face. He was trying to help me with my blog.
0: So you know how to use WordPress.
2: Ah!
0: I think you're starting a blog. Ah, I really? You know what? You should get then a MySpace page if you if you're going to get yourself a blog. Ah!
1: I a YouTube channel. I'm starting a YouTube I'm going to do pranks out there. Out there on the street. I'm going to punk people. You're going to be my first. I've got so much to look forward to.
0: Fiona Lachlan got uh, hit by a bus. She was actually just trying to do a prank for a blog. She was going to blog about it on her blog. You know? thinking thing about getting into blogging. She's a professional comedian and writer. She's written one hit book and she's writing another. But you know what she's also going to do? A blog. Or you could just write down your thoughts, put them in a bottle and throw them in the ocean. Either way, both. What if,
1: <laughs> like, what if, what if I got a camcorder?
0: Should, I could have a vlog. Yeah, oh, you should get a camcorder. Don't do it on your phone, which has the exact same Get a camcorder. Get a
1: camcorder to tape your vlog. I've got a lot to squeeze in before before I get dropped at the nursing home this afternoon. I've got to get a vlog, a blog, a camcorder. A camcorder. I just I'll stop Oh, it's like a stomach workout. We'll um. What I'm going to do, Will, is when I get home, I'm, have you it's, got a facsimile yeah, You <laughs> fax me through your blog.
2: Fax,
0: you fax me your blog. I'm going to facsimile through you. know what you should do? You should start yourself a newsletter. It's <laughs> that. <laughs> yourself a zine together. That's what you should do. (laughs) Um, All right. So uh, a couple of quick uh, ones before we finish. Um, What do you think is the, uh, is a misconception of you? What do you think that people think about you that isn't actually how you see yourself?
1: Uh, That I'm careless. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not careless. I'm forgetful. (laughs) But Oh God, I care a lot, you know, about my family and my kids, and yeah, I, I yeah, I'm not careless, and I know some people just kind of think, <laughs> I don't know, people like me, ditzy, yeah, whatever it is,
0: and they think that that applies across, that like, so, yes, yeah, that that is your general way that you are to everything,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's, I can see how that would be hurtful. How do you feel about people uh, – there's a really fantastic podcast called The Little Dum Dum Club, which I love, and you've been absolutely brilliant on over the years. But uh, they'll often joke about, you know, the drinking and the troubles you've had, as you do, yeah, by the way. I love it with my – Yeah, so that's – like, because I'm always interested in that. With my
1: carnival that. family, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. You know, because you guys – because it is the one place you can laugh – truly love without judgment, but with understanding and love. Yeah. You know, I feel very cared for by the dum-dum boys and I've given them hot off the press.
0: Oh yeah, you've had some, <laughs> I mean, if you want some real re- revelations, some stuff I would have said you could have say for your blog. <laughs> if you want to get those hits, want to get your hits up on your blog.
1: <laughs> but the interesting thing is, and I, I think it's worked out well for me that I'm the master of my own, like, I don't have, I've never had a, ta- a you know, a chair at a network or a, right. and with that gives you a lot of autonomy, you know, um, you can just, that's why I'm going to, that's the way I'm going to roll from now on because I now love the fact that I, I can be pretty, pretty open and stand-up comic can be pretty open anyway.
0: Yeah, you don't have an employer that people can boycott. You're not looking at being sacked from your job because of what you say. No, you are the master of your own destiny.
1: Yeah, I remember Mum saying to me um, after the coma, she said, "You're not going to be talking about this, all of this on stage, are you?" <laughs> well, that's a bit tricky because I'm an autobiographical comedian. <laughs> that's all I've got. I
0: Man, I would honestly, I'd murder for a good coma. You'd murder coma. for a coma. I yes. mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine the awards I'd win with thirteen days in a coma? Thirteen days with <laughs> yeah, thirteen days in a coma? Fishing up in
1: Kakadu? I mean,
0: seriously? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't actually. In fact, I don't even need a coma, do I? I can just say I'm in a coma. Yeah, in a coma. Just go. <laughs> you know he's in. He's in the mulldoes. <laughs> I definitely saw a picture of him on his Instagram in the mulldoes. Nah, coma. In a coma. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright uh, This has been a delight You're the best You know that I love you With all my heart I love heart. you too um, Will Thank you so uh, much uh, The wonderful uh, Sam Peterson Along with a whole bunch Of other brilliantly talented people Have made a, a documentary About some of this And a whole bunch Of other things as well Which will be available For people to watch At some stage And I think that's going to be Incredibly compelling um, uh, How You've seen it right Because yeah. there's a bunch of people That you know Yeah Speaking about some Times in your life Yeah how, how was that? How's that? Cause I haven't seen it, but I was interviewed for it. And you know, the writing instructions I was given when I was interviewed for it was to, that you had, whether this is true or not, and you can tell me, but they had told me that you had asked for people to be oh as yeah. honest and open and yeah, yeah. whatever as, as yeah. we could be.
1: You came across as, it's like, I don't know what, um, do you ever do keynote addresses?
2: Uh,
0: my comedy festival show, well informed. Uh, still ten shows to go. <laughs> Tickets available.
1: Have you thought of a vlog?
0: Yeah, I'm going to get myself a vlog. Uh, yeah, I, I know I'm making fun but of, you, of you, but I, you I am a person who has a. I'm a person who has a radio show, and I also do a free podcast. So oh, I can't yes. mock you. <laughs> this is my, this is my vlog. Well, it but was.
1: I was through. What, with the what is it like? And it was incredible to see. I. Um, it was hard to watch in many yeah, ways. Because I imagine. We didn't soften it. No. I, I paid no attention. It- like I hadn't, even though I'm a producer of it, I haven't looked, like I didn't have anything to do with the edit. Well, that was
0: my understanding. And I thought that was truly the only, brave. like, I mean, that's the bravest thing to do. It's also the best decision. Like, you know.
1: Oh, yes. You can't can't have your fingers all over your own story. You can't. It
0: turns into Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And nobody knows that Freddie Mercury was gay at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're like, yeah, but the other members of Queen were really compelling. No, they were producers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's brave, but it must be then confronting when you do sit down and watch it.
1: Well, then does it really matter, though, if your heart's in the right place when you put something together? I, don't, I probably won't watch it again. I've only watched it once. Uh, no, I'd say I'll never watch it again. It's very hard for me to watch myself. Mm. Only because I've got di- I've got the opposite of dysmorphia. I actually think I look pretty good. And right. then, uh, <laughs> then I see myself on camera. The image in my head of what I look like is right. just made up. Yeah, I'm happy with it. I don't have to check yeah. it with me. <laughs> it's just who I think I look like. And I trot myself out. And then I sit down and watch that documentary. I'm like, well, that's a shame. Oh. Anyway, um... One
0: of the things I hate most in uh, the world is that uh, at 5.30 to 6 o'clock in the morning, they play a, half an hour of highlights of our oh. radio show from the day before. And I'm in the studio at that point. And so in the station, <laughs> I can hear our <laughs> radio show. It you Oh, bad. it kills me. Yeah. Kills me. I was like, why would anyone listen to this nonsense?
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't bear it.
0: Uh, well, Fiona O'Loughlin, you're the best. What can... Like, what, what, I mean, obviously, you know, we can't publicize your vlog yet because you haven't put it up, but um, what you else can people, people look rushing. out for? Where can people Where can people find stuff that they need to know about?
1: Oh, what's coming up for me? Look, look I don't need to plug anything. I just need to say thank you very, very much for having me, Will.
0: <laughs> wow. That was great. You're the best.
1: You are, darling. Thank you so, so much. That was
0: so good. That was so fun.